What's up, guys? Welcome back to the All In Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to inside sales, and it's your one stop for all audio training on setting, closing, mindset, time management, and overall how to become a top performer. This is the podcast to tune into if you want to elevate your game and perform at the next level. All right, let's get to it. It's really hard to to stay connected in an organization about you know that the we're all working towards the same end, or just even our, like a lot of what we do. It's easy to get lost in the work and just lost in the monotony of of working on any particular task, and when that happens, um, you can get tunnel vision. You can you can lose perspective, um, and if that goes on long enough, eventually you, you can you you can even lose clarity about what's really important with work and why you know what is it we're trying to accomplish. Um, and if we're if we're not, and we don't get to do this enough, but if we if we've been a little bit smart as a business, we can take a minute and just pause and just talk about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. And, um, you know, it may not increase productivity on the next quarterly, whatever, you know, but it, uh, ideally you come away with some clarity about what it is that we're trying to accomplish and why we're trying to accomplish it, why it matters. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the biggest difference between people who enjoy what they're doing, enjoy their jobs, and people who don't. Speaking from someone who's done thousands of interviews, the feedback is clear. Work isn't the problem. Work's good. Humans need work. Like, as Earl Nightingale says, settling is good for chickens and cattle. It's not good for humans. Like humans, humans are at their best and their brightest when they're working for a cause or something that's meaningful or important to them. If, if you take a person and you just give them nothing, nothing to worry about, all their needs are met, food magically appears, bed, roof over their head, um, you know, you don't have to make any decisions, don't stress, go here at this time, do this at this time, work out, you don't have to produce anything, you don't have to like work at all, but no stress. Come in. There's a word for that, what I just described. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Um, prison, actually. Does that make sense? Like, and even if it's not like a phys- you know, physical prison, it, it can be mentally totally messing you up to, to work in that, you know what I mean, that environment where it's, humans aren't designed to thrive in that scenario. That's not where we do best. But then you take someone who's who's capable enough that they can be given autonomy. You know, some freedom to, to, to which problems they solve and in which order they solve them. You know, not heavily micromanaged every second of every day. Do you know what I mean? And the state requires that we like manage like lunches and stuff like that, breaks. I get that. You know what I mean? Because we want to make sure that people... But in a general sense, no, like... 
to get to the point where you can have some vote or some say over like this is what's my priority today I really need to focus on this piece and to promote yourself to that position not just like promotion like a title I mean like like I can pr to prove to the point that listen I can manage my schedule I can manage my time I can get the job done um, but then really to be put in a position of responsibility where you matter where other people rely on you to some extent they need your contribution they need your help they need your guidance they need your advice that's where life has purpose that's where life has meaning and it's not on the other side and there's a growing thought that it is on the other side you know what I mean that it's gluttony or license but everyone I've ever encountered in my thousands of interviews is that's uh, that's really struggling has embraced that idea can you see that they thought that it was the goal to to get to a position in life where they could do whatever they wanted whenever they want have as much as they want you see what I'm saying but it's not a recipe for success or, or happiness or fulfillment it's a recipe for disaster can you guys see that or challenge me on this if you disagree can you see how that that, that usually plays out that way you know like if you said uh, if you told me a story about a young man who I don't know had a good voice and a pretty face and he could sing songs and by the time he was 16 years old he was like had everything he could imagine you know what I mean <laughs> okay, uh, but like, and maybe not any specific person, but like in a general sense, by the time they're like 23, they're in rehab or in prison or like, do you see what I'm saying? It, it actually, unless they do what? Unless they continue to work. Does that make sense? Like, like, hear that story of that artist who's talented or something, and then, t and then they're like done, and they retire at 18. Their life's a train wreck by the time they're 28. Can you see that? No structure, no where to be, no schedule, no reason to improve, no cause, no mission, no purpose, and more importantly, I think than any of it, there's no fulfillment. It's empty. It's an empty life. It's like. The world's no different because of what they've done for the last 10 years. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I believe that the opposite is the purpose. Like the, uh, that the opposite is the goal. That, that when we can, like when we, when we stop trying to chase the myth that the purpose is gluttony, which I don't think we do think, but a lot of, especially like, I, I hear that a lot from like this younger movement you know but but if if we and if we buy into the idea that like no like some balance some some like some challenge is actually healthy it's actually meaningful it's like that's where progress comes from and progress is always the precursor to happiness and that's the part I'm really clear about I've never seen anyone who was working hard for something they believed in and who was really struggling with depression or like a, a, an existential crisis of like what is my what's the purpose of my life does that make sense 
once again, challenge me on this. If you guys disagree, I'm totally open-minded. It's just, this is my perception from, once again, not just thousands of interviews, but, but clarity on this perspective. Anytime I'm having that conversation with someone who feels like life doesn't have purpose or you know, it feels meaningless. Um, and likewise, anytime I see someone that's just full of life, full of energy, I'm like, this person's contagious. I wanna dig in. I've, I've had that experience. I had it not too long ago on an airplane. And I was like, this woman's unique. Okay, she's got what I what I thought what, what I'm thinking about here. And of course, I dig in. And what? What? what what's going? On? What's her story? Do you think she's just? She's pro. Yeah, but is she challenged? Of course. Talk to me. So, what do you? I'm really curious about you. What do you? What do you? What do you do? What do you spend your time doing? Do you know what I mean? And of course you find out what? Oh, okay. Like, like you have a ton of responsibility. Really, and you do this, and you do that, and you do this, and you do that. And, and there's people that are like relying on her. Lots of people. Do you know what I mean? And you keep digging and you find out there's just more. Every time you turn another corner, you're like, oh, and you're a mom of three kids? That's like, you know what I mean? And, and... Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys get the point. But. So V3, why, why does V3 exist? Because you had a vision from your security to solar, and you made that happen, and you wanted to create that vision and fulfillment amongst other people and take an opportunity to grow in a changing and honestly ever-growing area, too. It's... Uh, environmentally great and then technology it's always expanding so it's um, a field that you can always continue to challenge yourself in and feel fulfillment would be my guess hmm. that's um, I appreciate that but let, let me clarify V3 is not mine you know what I mean yeah. I, and I um, and even like even if I have an impact on the vision it's not even like what we're doing here is is bigger than any individual. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but that's good insight. Other thoughts? Why? Why? What are we doing here? Why? Why? What are we trying to accomplish? We'll start there. Change the energy industry. Good. Good. Why is why do why does the industry need changing? It's corrupt. Is it? Elaborate, what do you mean? Um, a lot of people don't have other options. They either have to use PG&E, SMUD, or they're just not going to be connected to the grid at all. And you rely on electricity. We need it. Totally. We totally need it. But does it need to come from one source? Like, why, 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 how did we get ourselves in this mess? How did the, how did the state of California end up in this situation? We've got these like, we literally have three privately held corporations that run 95% of the state's electricity. You know? They were starting to set, set that up, right? They're what? I mean, privately held institutions, these organizations, I mean, they're good at what they did, core of the markets, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, they, 
granted, what they did is not, you know, I mean, what they, the actions were, were good. I guess what the, the outcome is, is terrible, right? For, mm-hmm. for society, for the community, but, you know, granted, like, you know, like probably like, you know, like crooked, corrupt, whatever, whatever the exacts, whatever you want to look at them. And look what they did, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, um, uh, we were this close to, to making whales extinct. You hear me? And um, one man um, uh, came across this, this substance that was oozing out of the ground. And it was everywhere. And they're like, what do we do with this stuff? Um, and you know, basically the oil industry was born right, as a byproduct. And it happened just at the right time, thank heavens. Because we, we would have just run out of whales to burn their oil. That was our solution. We'd literally, like, hunt whales with harpoons and then burn their bodies to, to light our homes. That was our solution for energy. That was energy like 101, fire. Um, uh, you know... The next version was was kerosene, which was definitely a a step up from the previous solution, but has its own host of problems that we're now starting to really deal with. You know what I mean? And we'll probably deal with for generations in terms of like pollution, right? Um, we're so addicted to that machine, we can't get off of it. Okay, and then the next solution was definitely an improvement. Right, these these large macro grids. So it's like a single hub that handles all the energy output, and then let's distribute that energy to the people. So let's run wires from this this plant, you know, through transformers to each individual home. Okay, definitely improvement from like killing whales and burning kerosene, and but huge problems, huge problems. Okay. Solar is the biggest improvement in this progression that, that we've ever had in energy. Like the net result and the, and the byproduct of this solution, um, uh, it certainly has some negatives. Like in the manufacturing, I don't love the way it's produced in some ways, but it is hands down the best solution. And it's the biggest step up in terms of improvement from each previous way of thinking. Um, the problem was is that the cities and the counties that needed the energy so desperately uh, 110 years ago they didn't uh, they didn't have a chance against negotiating with the with the Rockefellers and the and the Edisons literally they were negotiating against Thomas Edison and this county representative signed contracts that they couldn't keep do you know what I mean? So in that deal, it wasn't a win-win. It's, it was a total win-lose. It was a win for the corporation and a total lose for the county or the state. And so what they negotiated into those contracts were infinite contracts. Like we own the power for everyone that'll be, ever live in your city. And we'll provide you with energy, electricity. Does that make sense? AC type energy, not DC. There was like some conflict back in the day about you know how it was going to be distributed and all that. Um, ooh, it doesn't have to be like this though. 
Does that make sense? Like, it, this isn't the only solution. Uh, but, but these utility contracts were so beneficial, there was so much money behind it, that they, they couldn't stop. And so they ran from state to state, county to county, and locked up these people, locked up these, you know, locked up these contracts. It was the most valuable real estate that had ever been for sale. Because anyone who can do basic math can plug these numbers into an Excel spreadsheet and be like, holy cow, pg and is the most valuable asset anyone could have owned for 100 years. Do you get that? It's, it's this infinite contract with an infinite escalator. There's no limitation to what the price can be. Do you get it? They can just, all they have to do is convince moderately intelligent people that, that things are getting expensive and so they need to justify their costs. Does that make sense? And then they say, we can raise the price. Just to give an example on that argument, guys, in this 110 years, PG&E has never been denied a rate hike. Does that make sense? They've, they've, um, hmm. they've, they've, you know, been talked down. Um, as one really successful real estate developer explained to me, oh yeah, yeah, we know what the counties want. You know, if the county, for example, if a county wants to see, you know, 230 homes built in this particular area, our first proposal will, will, will include 400. And then they'll negotiate us down to 300. Does that make sense? And that's the conversation that happened with these utility companies. And, and it was, you know, you have six people in a room making a decision, the CPUC, for 15 million people. 30 million people in, in aggregate, total. 16 million in PG&E, 15 million in SEE, um, not to mention SDGE. Um, you get it. It just doesn't work right. Can you see how five, any six people, even smart or not, they, they just can't take into account all the complexity, all the needs, all the financial situations, and all the struggles of all those families, all those homes, all those people. <coughs> All those meters. Can you see that? And you see, this is why the, the, the one-size-fits-all universal, almost like communistic approach, doesn't quite work on large scale. It falls short to a certain extent. It can make sense on a piece of paper because of economies of scale, but it falls short to, to, to provide the individuals with the needs that they have. Right? Nor do they care, though. They totally don't care. Yeah. Because it's not their home. Right? And And... And not that they're evil or you know fundamentally flawed. It's that they're human, right? And they, and yeah, I'm, I think they are messed up. You know, I think they are making mistakes. But, but the but the problem we kind of let it happen. Do you see this? Like we've kind of created a solution that that's it's kind of inevitable because even if the first enterprise and the first original draft of how it was expected to work. Maybe it was well-intentioned. Maybe the first, you know, 300 employees at PG&E were really good people. And they had only the best interest in mind for the people. Do you get it? But eventually, that much control in just a, a couple people's hands, it's, it's, 
It's not going to work out well, eventually. Over a hundred years, that's the problem with a monopoly. Because eventually, other hands, more greedy, do you get it? They seek out that asset, and it ends up in the wrong hands. And it's too much power. It's too much. It's too universal. It's too... And then we end up with the problems we've had, you know. PG&E was responsible for the largest corporate um, amount of deaths of any corporation in the United States. No single corporation has accidentally killed more people. Um, that's brutal, but that's that's the fact. But that's the byproduct, right? And if we're chart, and that says nothing of the economics or the customer service or the overall experience for the end user, like. And you, we may not realize it, but we're paying for it. Do you know what I mean? And we pay for it with these lights. You pay for it at home. Your parents pay for it. Your aunts and uncles, your friends, they all pay for this. And if it's four times more than it should be, we're doing something really wrong. Or two times more, right? If you can buy power in Nevada you know, for 19 cents, then why is tier one 31 cents? Like we have great resources in this state. We've got, you know, we've got more hydroelectric um, electricity being produced than almost any state in the nation. You know, Nevada doesn't have any of that. Why? Why can't we have ports? We have great resources. We have great innovation. Like why? Why is it cost us twice as much? And the reason is because a handful of people let it. You know. And this problem compounds; it multiplies because the more, the more they raise they pro- the more they raise the prices, the the more incentivized they are, the more profit there is, and the more enticing it is for the wrong people, and then it creates this really corrupt system, on accident. Now, how does how does what we're doing fix any of that? What does this have to do with filling out any M forms, Josh? Any ideas? And what's the solution? How do we fix this this big, huge problem? Any ideas? Well, we offer what we're offering and different options. I mean, that's a start. I mean, you don't just have one place to go for for energy. Good. Why does why does options inherently solve the majority of the problems? Because different things to work for different people for everybody to have. You know, their own options. <clears throat> Good. Do you guys agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as you, you create, as soon as you move away from a one-size-fits-all option, solution for everybody, standard, this is our tier structure, we just publish it, here you go, good luck for 16 million people. Um, and you move to, what do you want? So instead of, you know, six people making a decision... Um, which is really like two people, you know what I mean? Because the two people kind of guide that whole conversation for the whole process. For 31 million people, 31 million meters, okay? So a lot more people than that. But as soon as you move away from that to what works best for you, what, what would you prefer? See, I believe that it's better to, it, it, it'll be easier for us to build something great and provide the customer with a good experience internally than it would be to fix the old system. 
like they're running around the state trying to cut down all these trees so they can run all these wires, which eventually, you know what they're, you know what they're planning? Listen to how dumb this is. This is, their, this is their plan. Let's invest billions into the grid that we currently have and, and billions into maintenance that's 50 years outdated. And let's invest you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into cutting every tree that's anywhere close to these lines so that in a few short years, the plan is five, we move the majority of these lines underground and we pull these 50-year telephone poles out of, you know, out of the ground. It's like, this is the most inefficient way to do it. You're winning in all the wrong ways. You know? It's the slowest, most expensive way. Like, good innovation, good decision-making, good entrepreneurship could solve these problems way quicker. Like, there's, a, there's a much better way to do this. And guess what? That says nothing of the fact that we could do it for half the price. Like in many cases, these customers are getting the best deal they, 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 they've ever seen. And they might, you might hear the counter argument, well, what if I just buy it? Great. If you've got $30,000 in cash and a tax appetite to monetize these tax credits, that's definitely a better deal for you. But that's a solution for only the top 20% of the population. And I don't think that's a real good solution because then we're back in the same problem. Do you get it? You see, everyone's solution is, is one of twofold. We, we go with the mass universal solution. We'll kind of tell everyone what to do and what we think is best. Um, but the purchase solution, like other solar companies sell purchases. Do you understand how we're different? Do you guys get in what way? How, how would you summarize this idea real quickly about, Josh, there's 5,000 solar companies in the state of California. How's V3 any different? There's plenty of options out there, right? What's the, can someone summarize the difference? Well, don't we, they can take their solar with them, like their energy with them when they move instead of like other companies where the company still owes it and you're paying okay. them? Okay. Um, I totally I said that weird. No, you're fine. I wouldn't say that as the, the biggest differentiator. What's the, let's just talk for a second about a PPA, owning, like the customer buying the energy in comparison to owning the solar panels. Do you guys see the difference? Um, can someone summarize that, please? Yeah, the strategy of our competitors is to sell you a product, um, you know, uh, potentially provide warranties, maybe, uh, with that, that who knows if they'll be able to to maintain for the life of the agreement. They just want to ship you a product that they can leave off, you know, leave you behind. Hey, bye. Here's the product. Uh, we're gone now. Instead, V3's plan with the PPA option is to establish a long-term relationship, ensure that we're here to provide that power. Yeah, the guys, the customer doesn't want to own a power plant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, they, they kind of get forced into that option because they're so stuck. You know what I mean? So they take a loan out and you know eat up their, their home equity or something like that. And, and they do these variable rate loans oftentimes. And they'll, they'll lock in this 20-year agreement to pay off this asset. And to be candid, it's not 
the panels themselves are not a good asset. Can you see that? It's like owning $30,000 of iPhone 11s. They're not going to be really valuable someday. You don't want to own technology as a, as a good investment. Do you get that? And so the customers kind of get duped into this idea of like, oh, I'm making an investment in my home. It's still way better than the utility option. In some cases, they, they don't even get the tax credits. So the proposal says, hey, you're going to pay $21,000. You know, but they're actually paying $30,000. Does that make sense? It's like Tesla's website shows like, you know, it shows like the price they're going to pay and it's got this asterisk and you click on it and you're like, oh, I'm paying like almost twice that. Like, why don't you just tell me that? <laughs> you know, um, because it includes all these tax benefits. But listen to how tricky this is. Those aren't a tax, uh, it's not a tax, it's not a check. It's not a rebate. It's not a rebate. It's a credit. So when they're filling out their tax form, they literally say, oh, my taxes are $5,000. Oh, and I have this $9,000 credit. So I get $5,000 back, not $9,000. Does that make sense? But they can't monetize all $5,000. They can only get a portion of it. Do you get the problem? It means that the bottom 50% of the socioeconomic class can't monetize any tax credits. Do you see the problem? Or do you want me to clarify? Sorry. Does anyone... It, there's no... You see the problem. There's not taxes. There's not enough taxes being paid to get enough credits. So it's fake money. It's monopoly money. So they get these credits that sometimes they can't even monetize. A very significant portion of tax credits generated by solar purchases never gets monetized. It's, it's frustrating to, to, to understand that. That money... It's there, it's budgeted, and it goes nowhere. Uh, and then when they get the tax credit, the expectation on the loan for the majority of these solar companies is that they, they, they take a check that they would have written to the IRS, the $4,000 of the five grand that they would have written, and instead of paying it to the IRS, they write it to pay off the loan. They almost never do that but it's included in the price that they do that. Does that make sense? That they buy it down with the tax credit and they don't even get the tax credit. And then if they do, they don't use the tax credit that they saved on the taxes to buy down the rate. But even still, it's still a way better option than the current option, the, than the utility option. Uh, we're different because we, the majority of the time, uh, we're giving the customer a utility program where the customer can buy energy at a rate. This means they don't have to deal with tax credits. They don't have to credit those tax credits back to the IRS or back to, the, to some loan provider. There's no lien on their home. We don't lock up their home and say, give us our money or you're in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Uh, if they move, so if someone has a 10-year break-even point on a $30,000 investment, but they move after five years like the average American does, and that's pre-post or pre-pandemic numbers. What happens if they move? What, what happens if life happens? Do you understand? They're five years into this $30,000 investment. They're not going to get a return on that investment. They never hit the break-even point. The break-even point's not when they start making money or not when they 
it, it was a good investment. That's when they go back to zero. Do you understand? They're negative up to that point. And yet, most people won't see that benefit. They don't, they're not even around for 25 years to get the full benefit of a purchase. The utility option takes all the guesswork out of it. Okay, it takes all the drama out of it. Um, the biggest benefit of our program is twofold. Number one is there is a fixed term. The customers often hear that and they think, oh, I don't want an agreement. No, 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 that's the problem. You don't have an agreement. Like if you had had an agreement with PG&E that said, if you moved into your home and negotiated your rate with PG&E and locked in your rate, can you imagine what a good deal you'd have? <laughs> Do you get it? But you don't have any agreement, so they kind of have most customers, they, they have them stuck. They have all the leverage. Because people need power. PG&E can just afford to flip the power off. Um, but, but this customer doesn't have the choice. So they have to pay whatever the price is to get the power that they need. And PG&E gets to set the price. You see the scam. You see how it's flawed. Um, and the second advantage is the escalator. Why is the escalator such a good deal? You know down to the penny what you'll pay at the end of the 25th year. Good job. Maggie's in accounting. She could break down the math for you guys. She could pro forma it over 20 years. It's the best part of the deal because you know exactly what you're paying. Yeah, The, the customer for the first time in 100 years will know I'm going to pay 24 cents per kilowatt hour in 18 years or whatever. Um, and imagine what PG&E is going to be by then. You, you're, you're exactly right. So this escalator is fixed, right? So it's a fixed escalator. It doesn't even cover the cost of inflation. 2.9 is proven to be an amazing deal. Okay? You guys know what PG&E's rate escalator has been on average the last few years? Good job. Okay, those may not sound like very different numbers, That's but they are different. very different numbers. Okay. Five times yeah, like if you were if you had a home mortgage that was two thousand dollars a month, I'm going to do rough math in my head. If you're or rent, it was or a mortgage that was two thousand dollars and you were paying two point nine percent interest, essentially. How much would your loan payment be? At twelve percent. Any ideas? Any guesses? Just throw out a number. How much would your monthly payment be if you're paying twelve percent interest rather than two point nine percent interest? Your mortgage was two K originally. Mm -hmm. At two point nine. Yeah. Um, probably like fifty five hundred. Close. Good. Isn't that crazy? And as a general rule of thumb, every point that you raise the interest rate, you pay $1,000 for the average home, more per month. So when, so when the Fed says we're going to raise rates 100 basis points, that's one point. That means that if you were to buy a home next month, it would cost $1,000 more per month for 30 years. Interest rates matter. Do you see what I'm saying? 12% is completely different. And that says nothing of compounding. If Maggie had time, she could break down the math on the exponential growth rate of a 12% interest rate 
it's very different or 12% growth rate, you understand? So let's say you start with like $100, you invested into an account, one account made 12%, the other one made 2.9%. Like in 100 years, they're not even the same number. <laughs> they're nothing more close to each other. This becomes the biggest or the best economic part of the deal for the customer because it's this gap that grows every year, right, over time. When we uh, first started doing this, and we were really small, we used to do, um, we used to start, like we used to sell 14 cent rates, um, sometimes at a 0% escalator, on NEM1, okay? Now we're at NEM2. Those people have got the best deal in the whole world. The same will be said of the customers you're signing up today. This, this, the customers that you're working on and pushing through the pipeline, they have no idea what a good deal they're getting and how much better that deal is going to get every year. Do you understand? The friends and family that I signed up years ago are like, gosh, because it's the best. Do you get it? It's the best deal in the whole world. And they have no liability, no risk, no maintenance. They don't have to figure out how to service their equipment. You know what I mean? Because it's not their responsibility because the PPA isn't their, it's not their equipment. They don't have to worry about it. They don't pay for the depreciation of the asset. And they didn't have any upfront cost. You know, what we've tried to do is create a program that's just the best deal for the customer and we know that eventually it'll win. And the growth that we're experiencing, the, the momentum that we feel as a company is largely the byproduct of just a good, good deal. I feel an obligation. I think we have. I think we have an obligation to try to fix this problem, and I think. Um, I think we can. I, I'm really confident we can. Um, I'll tell you guys a secret. Uh, we've been working with banks to try to raise money for a, a fund, and we've created several funds to in-house projects. This is the biggest fund we've ever had a chance to create. I don't want to sound stupid or or sound. I don't know, like bragging. We're this close to wrapping up $50 million in debt with a $50 million private equity or a $50 million um, private tax equity. So that's $100 million in in-house projects on B3 paper. That gives us the freedom to control this process. Guys, in the entire industry, there are five companies that have ever held their own paper, okay? Um, in the state, there's only a, a, you know, a few. Uh, currently, there's Sunrun. There's Sonova. And Sunrun is moving away from their dealer program. It means that they're going totally independent, which leaves only Sonova for this program. And that's a big difference. Two is very different than one because now we, we could run into the same problem with a monopoly. You get the idea. It's very likely B3 will be one of those two in the changing market. And if, we, if we're smart about what we do here for the next six months, it's very likely that B3 and Sonova will be the only players in the entire space provide a PPA. And it's very likely that we will be one of only two companies in the entire nation that are fully vertical, from sale to install to operations to finance. It's our paper, it's our project. We're servicing it. And I'm very confident we'll be around in the long haul to service and maintain those projects. 
And this is important, not just for economic reasons, not just, you know, to give the customer a good deal or to help them save money. The, the most important part of this whole thing is that the customer gets to choose. Do you get that? Because even if the decision isn't perfect, there's something beautiful that happens when people are given responsibility. I'll end where I started. I believe that people are at their best and their brightest when they're driven for a cause, when they can have autonomy or ownership, when they can work for something they believe in. Um, keep helping us build this. We're trying to do something important here. We, yeah, we really appreciate your time and everything you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you.